Hello and welcome to Axlander, a podcast about and for all of you who have left their home to find a new one abroad. Right. Okay. So we're live now and I'm talking to two ladies today and it is Alexandra who is joining us live from Belgium. Hi, Alexandra. Hi. And I'm talking to Petra who is joining us live from Cologne in Germany. Hi, Petra. How are you? Hi, Eva. I'm great. How are you? Great. Well, thanks very much for joining me on Xlander, me and our audience. Um, and today it's going to be a bit special because there are two guests, two ladies, and they both come from uh, the same region, let's say, and um, they have similar experiences of being expats in um, Germany and in Belgium. So, Alexandra, what took you to Belgium and can you talk a bit more about your background about your story how did you end up there and where do you come from well <laughs> i will try to make this story as concise and short as possible <laughs> i don't want to take your pressure and petra's precious time um i ended up in belgium as uh, most of uh, expats here i'm pretty much typical expat in belgium i got a job offer um, let's say in so-called EU bubble, as we call it here. Uh, but before, because you were asking about my background, um, I have been moving around Europe uh, pretty much in the past few years, uh, starting from Luxembourg, where we also met. Yes, um, we'll get to then, this, yep. <laughs> exactly. And uh, after my contract ended in Luxembourg, I have been looking for for new opportunities for work. And I was not really sure what I want. I thought that I want to, to, to work, to get a proper job. And then in between, I figured out that maybe I want to do something different. Because, I mean, you know, but uh, the, the listeners, they don't know we work in, in parliament as a translators. And I was looking for something completely different that just came from one day to another. Um, and I applied for a project for volunteriat uh, work in Iceland, where I worked in NGO, planting trees, working in botanical gardens, hiking, riding so horses. Was Iceland. So that's <laughs> that was very Iceland. Special, yeah. Yes, that was <laughs> very, Iceland. very unusual place, I would say, to place yourself. Very unusual. Plant. And uh, the usual question that I received was, uh, what's the link? What's the link with the parliament? What's the link <laughs> with my background? And there was no link. And I think that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. um, so after the Iceland, um, I was in the mood to, to get, let's say, proper job, to, to settle down. And very quickly, I got a job as a Erasmus Plus project manager in Portugal, mm -hmm. where I for more than a year. Um, this is the longest period that I have spent in one country. But it's also, I must say that I always moved to a country without even knowing it and without even being before there, which is also experience itself. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a one chapter. <laughs> um, and yes, then uh, after more than a year in Portugal, um, I decided that I want to change my job because of many, many reasons. And um, I, I ended up back in Belgium where, I, where everything started where I came as a student back in 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the circle kind of closed. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And so you've been moving around, as you said, and your primary reason was always the job or the career, right? Uh, Not for Iceland. It was can, more the experience. Yeah, we can say. We can say, but it was not always job, job itself. Mm -hmm. It was more of experience. I also knew since a long time ago that I want to live abroad. And I think many people, also Petra might agree, that the, longest, the longer you live abroad, the, the less you feel attached to your home in terms of maybe not attached like um, in sense of emotions, mm -hmm. but in sense of how you perceive your life, how you perceive your work, the way of work, the way of thinking. Um, so, yeah. Lovely. And you come from, this is what we forgot to mention. Exactly. I come from Slovenia, but my parents, they're Serbians. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Upper Balkan woman. <laughs> so, so that's the Balkan. So that's the revelation of today's episode. It is going to be all about the Balkans. 
exactly <laughs> and, and your and your let's say relationships to, uh, toward that towards that region so petra what about you what took you to germany and what is your story because you also have a bit of a different experience i would say well same as alexandra so uh, i came to germany because of uh, because of work i got a job at ea and i actually stayed in the localization field uh before that i i also lived uh, abroad so i lived in luxembourg as you mentioned where we met mm-hmm. uh and um i was studying languages i was studying uh, linguistics and polish language and literature so i also spent some time in poland as an exchange student yeah germany was a um, was my goal <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, go, uh, my my um country that I wanted to move to because I also studied German I learned German at school it was my first foreign language that I learned at school uh, and Germany just offers a lot of possibilities for uh, young people and um, yeah um, and now I have a new job I think we are going to talk about that <laughs> um, soon as well And yeah, I'm originally from Croatia, so I'm also from the so-called region. Mm-hmm. Although uh, Croats, uh, they don't want to put, uh, want to be put into the Balkans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know so, about that. Yeah, uh, no yeah. one wants to be put in the Balkans, yeah, honestly. <laughs> or we are Mediterranean, but we are actually actually everything from above. <laughs> one would say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's my, I mean, uh, yeah, I moved here mainly for for work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at that experience and you've been in the foreign country for longer than, let's say, a year or two, uh, for you, Alexandra, it's also the case, right, in Belgium? Uh, yes, two years. It's been two years now. It's been two years. Okay. Uh, what is what are some of the specifications? And of course, you said, Alexandra, that you are a bit in the EU bubble, right? Well, that's a specific area, and uh, you're in Brussels, so that's yes. where lots of it's it's an expat hub, and it's a it's a specific place. But what is special about living in Belgium? I mean, it's a country that, apart from knowing the EU many people have either not much knowledge of or like perhaps a bit of a scoot knowledge of. So what is it like to be an expat in Belgium? <laughs> That's a very good question, actually. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, um, overall, I would say it's very nice experience. Um, maybe due to the fact that there is a lot of, like the expat community here is huge. It's It's really huge. If you're based in, Other cities, not maybe Brussels, the story is a bit different. Mm-hmm. But in Brussels, it's actually the, the, the quite the opposite. Finding a local is a challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to find your group of people, um, the group of people with your interests. Uh, it's easy to, to find hobbies. It's easy to network. It's easy to meet people. Um, so I would say you don't really have to try a lot. But also, of course, what you, Eva, had in the previous episode, there will be people complaining that, you know, it's so hard, it's so hard, you cannot meet someone, there's nothing going on, um, because people will always complain. Mm-hmm. But I would say overall, it's easy, although in Brussels, official languages are Dutch and French. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is mainly French-speaking city, uh, but due to, to expats, everyone more or less speaks English. A lot mm-hmm. of menus and restaurants are in English. So it's really easy, um, which leads to another phenomena um, in EU bubble, which I don't consider myself part of it, mm-hmm. proudly. Mm-hmm. A lot of people stuck in this bubble and they don't even make an effort to, to, to learn French, to maybe learn Dutch. And mm-hmm. um, I think also because of that, people here are aware that um, kind of need English in order to, to offer services and, and to work and to Mm-hmm. So you've learned oh. Dutch and French, or I mean, I know that you're quite fluent in French. I studied French, okay. Um, so I speak it fluently. Mm-hmm. Dutch, I started learning, so mm-hmm. I can understand. Uh, when it comes to talking, I'm very basic, but I'm 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 trying. I'm doing my best, although I don't really need it. But I think it's nice since I live here, and I do plan to stay a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of um, my thank you to Belgium for 
accepting me as a <laughs> as a citizen here. So right. Lovely. Petra, what about you? What about Germany? Also a bit of a specific region and I wouldn't say such a big expat hub. What it's is not, Cologne all about? It's not a big expat hub, although I noticed there are um, a lot more foreigners coming to this city uh, than it was just three years ago. But it was uh, when I moved here. So I started working at EA, which is a big corporation, an American corporation. And the, the official language there is English. So I also noticed that it was kind of like a, like this European bubble where everybody's just speaking English and nobody wants to learn French. It's the same working for an international uh, company in Germany. When you're an expert and you don't speak German, if you work for an international company, you don't need to learn German. And people from some countries, they don't even bother learn it, which I... To be honest, also, I don't like it because, I mean, mm -hmm. you came to this country, so I think it would be at least nice to try and learn learn it to some extent to get around, you know, to know how to order a beer mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or buy an ice cream, uh, etc. I mean... Uh, it's it's a, it's a yeah it's a difficult language but it's not impossible to learn german mm -hmm. uh, but <clears throat> yeah it's a, there are no so many experts but still there are some that i'm i'm a good friend with for me it's very difficult it's been very difficult to find german friends i do okay speak, mm -hmm. yeah i do speak the language i mean uh, now i even realize that i think my my German uh, is uh, declining mm -hmm. because I don't speak it that much anymore. I've been working from home for a year and a half now, and I only speak English or my native language. Right. Uh, and I just don't have the occasion to practice very uh, practice it very regularly. So um, yeah, it's very it's very hard to to meet new people here, like especially the locals. Mm -hmm. But would that be the case also pre-corona or we're of course talking COVID at the moment, but... Because um, uh, I noticed uh, when I was still working at EA, I mean, I had some German colleagues. I also had some colleagues from other countries and I noticed that some German colleagues, they didn't even bother to hang out with the rest of the team because they had their lives, you know, they only come to work to work and then they leave they don't even feel the need to get friends with us I mean they were polite to us but they just I guess they have their friends since uh, primary school since high school so they don't need to expand their friendship circles uh, anymore so yeah I mean maybe it would be easier for me to find German friends uh, if I joined uh, a Verein Mm -hmm. You know, like if I start hiking or volunteering and I even before COVID hit, I even joined a volunteering group, which takes care of the, um, uh, the refugees that come here and that they came here uh, five years ago. But I wanted to support that group uh, with going to museums and opera house and stuff like that, you know, like arts. But since the COVID hit, Everything is closed, mm. so I also got demotivated to going to go to these meetings, and these meetings are also on Zoom. Yes, and we just keep talking about uh, the refugee camps in Bosnia, and yeah, um, so I, I kind of lost interest in that. Mm -hmm. But I, I think once the, the situation gets better, I will try to find uh, a local group here just to you know just to find more German friends just to feel uh, more um, home here because I still feel that I didn't grow in with this place like uh, you know I still don't feel that I'm rooted quite here it's been three years since I've been here mm -hmm. I love this city I feel very comfortable mm -hmm. but I still need that I would need to improve some things in order to feel uh, more accepted here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the question that every, I think every expat or 
most of the expats, perhaps not every um, uh, and and everyone, but most people would struggle with actually saying, okay, well, this is my home. Yes, you feel comfortable, and yes, it is nice, and it is um, you know nice to be around certain people, and there is certain environment and setting. But yet, at the same time, as you said, you're not really rooted. In that place and I've met people who've been here let's say I live in Switzerland so who've been here for 25 years and some of them are going to claim well this is my home and some of them and they're not you know that they would be negative or they would be complaining they're super happy here but they would always say no like when I retire you know I'm going back home to my country because I don't feel like this is my home which is, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. It's nice what you mentioned with friends and friendships, because there is this one nice saying about being an expat, right? You know, like meeting all the people around you, the locals, you are absolutely uninteresting because they already have all their friends. So, you know, they're not really that much interested in making a new um, friendship. And that's completely understandable, as you said, it's it's a normal process but at the same time i think when you grow when you spend perhaps a bit more time there then you find your circle and then perhaps you're no longer that much interested in meeting local people because that's a natural process but um yeah that's one big topic that uh, i think um hits expats uh, a bit more um yeah i mean harder than they expected prior to moving Alexandra, what is then some of the, what, what would you say that are some of the biggest challenges for you? And you've been living abroad, you've been living sort of in different countries in Europe. What are some of the biggest challenges or some of the things that you really struggle with and that you, that you cannot get your head around um, and that you find difficult? Hard to pin mm. like one thing. I know, I know. I, I lived in, in so many different countries and for what I can say, the integration was never a problem. I don't know, maybe it was environment, situation, mindset, except for Portugal, I would say. There it took me a bit more time and I was honestly struggling. Mm-hmm. So I would say the biggest challenge in Portugal was integration, despite the fact that I speak Portuguese and I thought it would be easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe because I was living in a small town, uh, quite rural, um, let's say, uh, very traditional, maybe that played a role in the fact. And as Petra said, they didn't feel really a need to hang out with someone, foreigner, when they already have their group of friends since high school and, you know, they're during a weekend with their family. Of course. Um, yeah. But in other countries, maybe there are some cultural differences that... For example, concretely, because I live now in Belgium, so I will use Belgium as an example. One of the things that I struggled at the beginning is, um, so in Belgium, people greet by kissing. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is not really something that I I feel comfortable with or what I do. I I hug my friends, but I don't kiss people that I don't really know or I'm not friend with, or I just, you know, it's my friend's friend. This is not what I do. And yet and you I come from the I Balkans. Did... Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I know, right? yes, yes. No, I completely get it. I know what you mean, yeah. So at the beginning, I was like shaking hands and everyone was looking at me. Oh my God, you're so formal. And, you know, it was like making people a bit uncomfortable. But I was also being in an uncomfortable position. So I started just going with the flow and... All despite the fact it was still awkward, I was kind of getting used to it, let's say. And then pandemic started, which actually this was water on my windmill because <laughs> now I just <laughs> we don't kiss anymore. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So even if I move away, if I back up, no one will look at me weirdly <clears throat> because sometimes this is my instinct. But for example, this is one of the let's say small things that mm. um, were like those small cultural differences that I need then to pay attention not to do it my way because it might be offensive towards the people of the country where I live. Of course, yeah. I, I would say this. Um... Mm-hmm. What about you, Petra? Well, luckily, Germans don't kiss and don't hug. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> issues with that. 
But I mean, I also have issues with kissing other people, like from other countries, such as Italy and Spain. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, yeah, in my family, we are also not very touchy-feely. So um, my dad uh, uses handshaking when he sees me, you know, he, he, he takes his, he gives his hand and then we handshake and mm -hmm. it's very weird so I'm also acting always weird uh, with guys with my friends uh, on first dates and etc yeah um, I have challenges with with meeting new people with finding friends here that, that's mm -hmm. my challenge here in Germany because um, yeah I speak the language I know how this uh, administration works which is also another topic mm -hmm. <laughs> of bureaucracy at, at its finest but um, yeah finding um, friends that will last is very mm -hmm. hard here because there are experts here and they struggle a lot as well so they spend here maybe from three to five years and then they leave and then they go to, I don't know, uh, to Sweden or to the UK. And then I have to start over. I have to find another friends and uh, it's been painful. And especially now in the pandemic, I have a few friends that, that moved somewhere else and uh, yeah, it's hard. But I, I found, as you mentioned, I found a small circle of friends that I really like spending my life, uh, my time with. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I would also like to find more locals. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, I could find a band and start singing and playing with them. Maybe mm -hmm. that would be an option for me. Yeah. Oh, you're a great singer. I remember that. Okay. So... Just to just to uh, go back to where we met, right? So we three met actually in 2000 and now correct me, 16, 2015, 15 to 16. 15. In oh, 15, right? Oh, goodness. Look at it. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> Time so flies. 2015 in Luxembourg. Um, and we were working basically for the European Parliament, right? We were on an internship. Yes. It's been such a great experience and one of the few, for me, expat friendships that despite the distance and despite that everybody, you know, has their own life, it just keeps going. And, and uh, yes, we're in different countries, but this was very surprising to me because anything like this, like Erasmus, uh, my Erasmus year and so on, um, all those exchange student programs and, you know, I've, I've done all that. Um, I never really, you know, they, they, this, was the, this was the friendship that was just there within that. And, and that was the time frame. And then it just sort of faded away. And that's a natural thing, right? So I find it quite surprising that, you know, after all those years, we still keep in touch and we're still in, you know, perhaps with Petra a bit more than with you, Alexandra, and so on. But like, we're still in touch and we just still know what the other person is doing. And we just sort of hang out virtually. I find it absolutely amazing. And it's not a, I mean, I wouldn't take it for granted. You know, it's not a normal, not, nor, not, not, not a usual thing. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. As you said, some, some friendships, they just fade away, some stay. But I also learned from my experience that it also depends in which context you meet people. Mm -hmm. Like when I was Erasmus student, of course, I still have some of those friends in my life, but there are very few. Mm -hmm. The majority, they just, it's vanished. Mm -hmm. you know, how to, it's the uh, circumstantial sort of relationships, yes, right? Yes, that something yeah. connects you. But I yeah. think that with us, there was something and perhaps that's also the reason why we're talking together uh, today and that why we are sharing this <laughs> experience as well with, with, with our listeners. I think it's just um, something, something amazing, you know, that can also happen. So it is, yes, it is hard to meet new people. It is hard to fit in sometimes. I would wish, I would wish that, you know, we were closer because sometimes you go like, wow, this is a really great person. And, you know, we could, we could talk hours and we could spend so much quality time together. And, but damn, you know, you've got to leave to your country, wherever that country is, because, and I remember, you know, running into you when I was meeting Petra in Amsterdam. So like by yeah. coincidence, yeah. I ran into yeah. Alexandra who was flying to 
from Porto. I was flying back to Porto, back to Portugal, and I think from, I was flying from Estonia or something. From Estonia, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. how great yeah, yeah. is that? And we ran know? out at Schiphol, which is one of the biggest airports. Which it's, is uh, like, how did that happen? It's insane, yes. But also that time, I could be only met at the airports, I think, as Petra said. That's know? what Petra said, was, yeah. I was so often traveling every second week that I often actually met people at the airports. I also met another trainee of ours um, at the airport uh, in Athens and another one in Barcelona. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you ladies both are single or you came to your new home countries if you want to call it that way or you settled in Belgium and in Germany as singles right which is also a bit of a different experience I would say sometimes to people who move with their spouse people who move for studies or people who move purely let's say because of the partner um, that they follow someone so How has this been, if, if you want to share some, some bits and pieces of that experience? Because I think it's yet another challenge, let's say, to dating. And of course, now we're not talking Corona, <laughs> I would say. But um, yeah, what's, what's this been like? And what are some of the challenges well, too, right? As an expat single, it's a very different experience. And I can imagine, yeah, there's some shortcomings as Petra, well. do you want to start? Petra, yeah, come on. <laughs> do you want to open it? <laughs> yes, please. I mean, where to start? <laughs> well, where do you start? Like Germany, uh, as, um, as a single lady, uh, and I'm still single, happily mm -hmm. single. Mm -hmm. um, so finding friends and finding love in Germany is hard mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's a big challenge I mean it's hard to find job here but it's way harder to um, have a meaningful relationship with other person here so yeah I mean when I came here I first thought that I will uh, meet somebody you know via someone else you know like uh, I was in the VK uh, so I was uh, flat sharing Uh, when I moved to Germany, so I thought, okay, maybe my uh, flatmates, because I also had two male flatmates, one guy from Spain, another one from France. I thought, okay, maybe I will find a guy um, with their help, but that unfortunately didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, everyone was using uh, Tinder and uh, online dating apps. So I tried to give it a go and um, I can't say it wasn't fun. It was a very interesting experience, but in the end, um, yeah, I didn't find my, uh, my soulmate. <laughs> yet. Uh, yet, yeah. Um, I think uh, here in Germany because I'm okay I to be honest I didn't use uh, online uh, um, online dating apps before uh, coming to Germany so I don't mm. know what it's like to date in Luxembourg Poland or even in Croatia because in Croatia when I was in in a relationship uh, I would usually meet my I met my ex-boyfriends in a music school or in my choir <laughs> so there was always with music and then I will ah oh, I like you and then we would start a relationship and that was it so uh but I think here in Germany um the main thing here is a hookup you know a hookup culture is very strong here in Germany for them I heard from my friend because she's Italian and we were talking about German guys why are they so I mean they're not romantic They are only interested in uh, sleeping with a girl and then they, uh, you know, they just leave and that's it. And then she told me that she found an article saying that for Germans, uh, sex is just uh, a physical need. It's not a... Wow, uh, well, that's a, that's a very strong, <laughs> strong I argument, would, I would say. Which you read somewhere. Uh, okay, well, any like, German listeners? I mean, I know there are a few. I mean, I you know, you can, comment. Yeah. You can get comment. back to us <laughs> on this. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are the guys I was with here. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, I had a relationship last year, 
but before that, um, I was just, um, I would go on a date with a guy and it was interesting and it was fun. And then I realized, okay, we were dating for a few months and then they would lose interest or I would lose interest mm. and it just vanish, like fade away. And that was, that was it. So mm. it's very short term. Uh, and it's like, you know, eating fast food. So <laughs> when you eat a hamburger, it's nice and it's cool. But afterwards, you're just, you know, you're feeling sick. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I think in general, uh, maybe there is. And again, you know, I would, I would ask some of those, uh, some of those Germans out there uh, if they could, you know, like put some feedback on this. Uh, maybe it's the online dating thing as well, right? I mean, this, this whole concept, because I mean, yeah. I've just noticed how old I am, you know, like, I used to date, I mean, before there were online apps. So I wouldn't even know where to start, to be very honest. But I mean, somehow I think that's the reality. And I mean, these days, no? Yeah. Um, I mean, people, I mean, even my, my friends in Croatia, my girlfriends in Croatia and here in Germany, they say, that they start talking to someone, then he just stops responding or they are not interested because they are not in that phase. Uh, currently, they want to commit to their work, to their uh, uh, career or to their friends. So uh, it's really hard to find someone that would stick. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also what I also noticed when I came to Germany is that People here are, um, some of them, not everyone. And by mean people here, not Germans, like ethnic Germans, but also expats. Uh, they like experimenting. So uh, they're polyamorous. They're in open relationships, open marriages. I mean, I hardly know anything about it before coming to Germany. But yeah. now I see things. And I'm, I mean, as I told you, I think these things is, I mean, this uh, open marriage uh, relationship thing is a worse pandemic than COVID-19, <laughs> honestly. I don't have nothing against it. I think you can be in love with more people, like you can love one person and then have feelings for other person as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a normal human thing, but some of them use that, you know, just to go and sleep around of course well yeah i mean that's a whole uh, another topic but it's uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah it's absolutely amazing uh, i'm just always thinking about it's become a, a bit of a trend i would say nowadays right like yeah, you know, polyamorous yeah. and so on. Yeah, i'm just always thinking about the household arrangements you know like who sleeps where you know like who pays the bills <laughs> like how do you whatever but alexandra um so what, what do you think about that and what's this? your experience <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't even hilarious. know how, where to start after petra's monologue <laughs> no i mean it's uh, it's a genuine um, monologue yeah yes i arrived to belgium a single person um yeah i can say to all the countries i moved a single and i think that's also the reason why i i was able to move that much around Because mm -hmm. when you're in serious relationship, yeah. at least I, I know myself, I would try to somehow meet the other person and also adjust my wishes to his wishes. Mm -hmm. Meet halfway, uh, but yeah, since at least. I was not, excuse me? Meet halfway, at least, yeah. Exactly, Sorry. exactly. And since I was not in serious relationship at that time, I, I moved, um, yes, according purely my wishes and my ideas, how to say. But as Petra said, it's true that dating, but this is, this is already psychological topic, let's say. <laughs> it's true, first of all, that people assume when you move abroad that you move because of someone. So that's first conclusion. It's hard to convince because it's always like question, ah, but are you sure ah, that there is no like, a guy that you moved for i mean seriously i wouldn't change six countries you know randomly because of a guy because of six guys or something <laughs> so yeah uh that's that's first thing second it is uh kind of challenging to move alone and especially as a woman because yeah we, we know that there are a lot of bias and 
there's also a lot of stereotypes and expectations from as from you being a woman is different than from you being a man. That's I think the whole a- expat, sorry to pause you there. I mean, the whole yeah, expat no, no, no. experience is also different. Where I, if, if you're if you're single, if you're married, yeah. I mean, it's always a bit different, and it's natural. It has to be different because we are different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's different the, perceptions. Uh, definitely, it's not a conversation against men or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> 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 I don't want some offended uh, <laughs> listeners. No worries. Um, but uh, as Petra already said, it's true that the dating culture is changing, um, especially now with pandemics. If before people had troubles to talk to each other and to approach to each other, now with pandemic, like everyone kind of synced in that comfort zone of the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to send a message. It's easy to swipe instead of go and actually talk to a person, which yeah. unfortunately, I mean, we, our generation, I say, we were struggling with that before and now it's even worse due to pandemic. So I think we're just sliding more and even more to, to, to this virtual world, but maybe I'm trying to be positive. Pandemic will change this because, because we are so craving human interaction that people will just start communicating and uh, networking a bit uh, face-to-face, not behind the screen. But okay. that yeah. we'll see only probably in half a year or a year. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say before, okay, I can just say for Belgium or maybe other countries, Uh, that I lived in um, to meet people in a bar or outside was not that difficult. It's true that also I'm kind of person that I rarely approach to someone, mm-hmm. but there were other people who are approaching me. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I was lucky. It's, I, I'm not saying it's easy. Definitely, it's not easy. Nothing is easy when you're uh, when you're an expat. You you sometimes struggle with the things that people who live so like in the place where they were born are not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, can, could you uh, give examples? I mean, some examples of that. Did you say like there's some things that people who are locals and they live, they've been living in their country for you know since their birth, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and then experts are struggling with certain things, and those people are not even aware of that. Um, I am thinking, for example, the yeah. fact that your family is away. That's yes, yes. one big thing. Can you think about anything else? Yeah, this is the thing, as you said, the family way that half of our holiday vacations days off just goes to go home. And they're like, oh, I have 34 days off and I don't know where to go. I cannot use it. And I'm like, I had 34 days off and I know exactly how I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I know where the half is going. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for example, this kind of things. And now with pandemic, everyone was here and, you know, we were kind of locked in our countries and we were just waiting when we'll be able to go home. I, yeah. I know myself, I was not planning to go home in spring anyway, but it's different when I decide that I cannot go. And it's different when the government tells me, okay, now you need to sit in your house and you cannot move your ass. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, um, but also another example can be like really basic administration or, you know, some things they're so used to it, how to do it. And then you move to a country and you're just learning everything like a child. You learn mm-hmm. how to, I don't know, you go open bank account and you don't even know how exactly the things function or you go to get your ID and register yourself somewhere. And then you're just checking everything on the internet, schedule, uh, you know, meetings everywhere. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really, sometimes I feel, uh, I mean, I felt because yeah, now, and now I'm settled here for a while, but I felt like a toddler, you know, learning mm-hmm. how to walk. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. even tax, tax declaration for me was actually learning from a scratch. No, oh, thanks for pointing really? it out. That's exactly what, what I've heard also from some people that you feel like you're starting from scratch and then you feel like you're sitting in the first grade again, you know, and then you're repeating what others are telling you because you're, let, let's say, the knowledge of your language of that environment exactly. is just very, very new. No, exactly. that's, uh, that's very interesting points. Petra, have you got anything to add to this? I mean, some of those, some of those challenges or hardships? Um, well, everything that Alexandra said, it, it's true. Uh, For you, it's been quite sad Christmas, right? I mean, you weren't able to travel, I know. Yeah, I'm still not able to travel. I mean, I'm, we are still in the lockdown. Uh, yeah. We are in, car- in the curfew as well. 
So I'm not allowed to be outside outside after 9 p.m. In Cologne, right? Yes. In Cologne, yes. Oh, okay. which, which I find very difficult and ridiculous uh, mm -hmm. because I feel like we are in the war and it's not a war, it's a pandemic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my challenges uh, are also um, the administration here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, I mean, Yes, I speak the language. I can go to uh, to the city hall to um, to um, say to tell them uh, that I moved or stuff like that. But I must say that uh, German bureaucracy is the worst bureaucracy. The worst. Sorry, I think it's Belgium. <laughs> Well, I think you clearly haven't been, uh, you know, like with the Czech authorities. So I would say it's number one. I mean, in like the worst administration ever, because I just get angry every time that I need to, you know, deal with something. And then I compare it to Switzerland, which is somehow so efficient. I don't know how they do it, but it's just perfect. But anyway, that's um, a whole other story. But you know, Germany is considered to be a very modern, uh, rich country, uh, uh, eco country. But I think that's not true because for everything that you have to do here, even if you want to apply for a flat, mm -hmm. you need to have a bunch of papers mm -hmm. to, to confirm that you are living here, that you have enough income, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to, I mean, if you are taking some uh, meds and you need to go to doctor to take your uh, doctor receipt, you mm -hmm. need a paper. Whereas in Croatia, I mean, it's a small country of only 4 million people, but some things are already digitalized. So mm -hmm. in Croatia, when I would go to doctor, I mean, I would not even need to go to doctor. I could only call him. And tell him, yeah, I need this uh, medicine. And he would just say, oh, it's in, in five minutes, it's uh, in your local um, um, pharmacy. Pharmacy, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I would just go and uh, pick it up. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, I first need to go to my doctor, get a paper, a piece of paper, and go to the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they are changing this. <laughs> so, <laughs> a few months. I will. Uh, I, I won't be needing to go to 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 the doctor to pick up the piece of paper to the mm -hmm. recipe. Still, I think uh, some things could be digitalized here as well. Mm -hmm. uh, even this um, tax declaration. I remember living in Croatia. I didn't even have to fill it out because my employer would just send my papers to the uh, to the tax authorities. And in a few months, I would get a letter saying, oh, you uh, received this amount of money mm -hmm. uh, and it will be on your uh, Giro card uh, on that day. And mm -hmm. this is how it was. Whereas here in Germany, you really need to fill out this Steuererklärung or uh, tax declaration, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very complicated. I mean, yeah, I speak German, but you know, uh, these mm -hmm. long German words. <laughs> 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 but did you guys have when you like prior to moving or prior to arriving then in Germany because you both had a job so you basically already had a contract you came to that country with that contract so did you get any introduction did you get anything sort of like the, you know um, someone who would tell you or at least you know go to that and that website you will find what you need to do to settle here like let's say to administer uh, certain things uh, uh, we'll be curious to know i didn't never yeah. i i asked my boss here now in belgium because she she's really nice. so some things i know that she knows and i help ask her just for you know to speed mm -hmm. up a bit things mm -hmm. but in other countries it was yeah you are left uh, alone with your administration yes. you can ask for help of course but there is no introduction mm -hmm. there is no okay nothing and when I came to Germany, we did receive um, like a small intro, uh, intro guide, like welcome to Germany, but I received that from my company, from EA. Mm -hmm. um, so they made like a small guide how to get around here in Cologne in English. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, no, I mean, um, I would just, you know, I would 
find the, the information I need there. And then I would, I would go um, and, and dig it out somewhere else. Yeah. Mm. And Google, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good. Well, you both come then from the Balkans and it is a region that there are lots of myths about and it's a specific place. Um, what does then this region mean to you? Because I know that you like to, I mean, Alexandra, you would call yourself like you're a Nordic soul with the Balkan heart. So how would you interpret it? What, what, does, what does the Balkans mean to you? Do you think that you'll ever go back? I know it's a hard question, but... um, It's really hard. I have to ask. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already correcting my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, because none of the moves before uh, I didn't plan. Everything happened very spontaneously. So this, I don't think I can plan. And Mm -hmm. it, it will happen. If it will happen, it will happen. I also think, as I said before, that the longest, longer you live abroad, the more detached in certain ways you become from your home, which doesn't mean that your home is not your inner heart. Obviously mm-hmm. it is, but like I realize that sometimes when I go back home, there are some things that have really hardly functioned there. Mm-hmm. The way people are not organized, the way things are like not functioning, <laughs> functioning. Uh, Petra is laughing because she's totally <laughs> feeling me on this one. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I think it will be hard for me as I'm very, as my friends say, I'm very German person. I'm very organized. I'm very, then this kind of things for me, I'm just uh, struggling. I'm really mm-hmm. struggling with it. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that I miss. I miss how warm people are. I, I really miss this honesty. I miss this straightforward way of communication. Air is really not the case. It's, it's always trying to find a nice way to say something, which is also nice, but you don't really get anywhere. I, I miss that. Uh, I think it's also very underrated region. Yes. Um, a lot of stereotypes that, you know, we are cave people. We are just left behind. No Everybody's wearing tracksuits. Yeah, 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 exactly. Wearing tracksuits, drinking vodka and, you know, for a morning with coffee and things like that. So, but I think our generation, people like Petra and me and, and, and other, we're changing this image of the region, hopefully in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it will take, take still few generations for, for things to change, both about regarding our image abroad, but also about the region itself, because yes. you have to change mentality of people in order to change the situation in the region. And it's true that the region has such a deep problems in terms of corruption and also mentality we can start from basic things of, uh, I don't know, ecology to, I don't know, you know, how they work. So mm-hmm. I really think it will take four or five generations in order to, to, to move forward. But yeah. as long as we move forward, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's well put. Petra, what about you? What about the Croats? I'll say it will be so, uh, you know, bad because Alexandra explained it so well. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, thank you. Eva, for interrupting you, I was about to say that the Balkans are the region full of unicorns and rainbows and it's a mythical place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Balkans region, I mean, Croatia, um, it's, it's a very beautiful country. It is. Indeed, uh, people yeah. are also very pretty, <laughs> but we have a lot of problems. Uh, as Alexandra mentioned, corruption is everywhere, uh, everywhere in the society. If you want to get a job uh, in a public institution, in diplomacy, you have to be in a political party. There is mm-hmm. no way that you can be in diplomacy without uh, having, you know, mm. some ties with politics. Mm-hmm. And the sad things is that then uh, the most of the people that are in the politics are people that are incapable of leading our country. Also, uh, I think that my home country relies too much on tourism. I agree, we are uh, amazing. We have a lot to offer to tourists. Food, cuisine is amazing. Nature as well. We have the sun, you know, but that's not enough we need industry we need it i mean now i can see that there are quite a few it companies 
in Croatia that are working very well, that are even attracting talents from abroad. But still, everything is centralized. Everything in Zagreb, just 50 kilometers from Zagreb, you can see poverty everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I come from a hometown that suffered a lot during the war and after the war in corruption because it's an industrial uh, city. So a lot of companies uh, were privatized by uh, local criminals and Mm -hmm. then people lost their jobs. And now with the earthquake at the end of the last year, Uh, it's even worse. I mean, people are leaving my hometown. Uh, in the in the places around my hometown, uh, people don't have electricity or water. And we mm. are talking about 21st century where Al- Elon Musk is sending his uh, SpaceX to Mars and, you know, stuff like that. So uh, there are a lot of problems in Croatia. There is a lot of inequality. So Zagreb really looks like a Central European city, you know, close to Prague and Vienna, you know, just like a smaller Vienna, whereas just the 50 kilometers, you see that people are leaving the place because A, it's not safe, B, there is no future. Mm -hmm. And I hope this will change. But as Alexandra said, mentality is the main issue here Mm. because people complain, but they don't do anything. And then they still still will vote for the same political party that it's been uh, in the government, uh, that's been our government for 20 years. Mm. Mm. I agree with Petra on this one very much. It's, it, it's all true. And also decentralization, which I forgot to mention in Serbia, is the same issue. Sorry, I Everything can't hear you. Capital. Yeah, um, Everything goes to the capital. To capital, yeah. yes. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, I noticed that it's also a bit of an emotional issue because you, Petra, come from the region that was very, very, it was hit hard by the earthquake and COVID and so on. So it is, um, it still is something that, yes, purely economic reasons, I mean, you're better off in Germany. And of course, those countries such as Croatia, even Slovenia, but even Serbia and I mean, other countries in that region have experienced this so-called huge brain drain, which let's say, I mean, talking about Czechia now, I mean, yes, there are people going abroad, but we're kind of way too comfortable, you know, like in our own um, little societies. So there is not this huge tradition of leaving. And there are basically lots and lots of young educated people are just leaving the country which again may give some kind of hope, but at the same time, then those who could actually change certain things, you know, are not there, which is, you know, nobody's to blame because exactly what you just, um, because of what you just explained. But yes, I mean, it's always going to be your home then. Of course. I I love my country and uh, I have family and friends there. I'm still very tied to, to, to that place mm, mm. but um, I'm afraid there is no future for me there uh, it's just that possibilities are way better abroad I, I mean I'm a localization project manager and it's really hard to be a localization project manager in Croatia you can only work as a project manager in a translation agency where the working conditions are not so good and you work a lot of overtime. Uh, whereas here in Germany, in West, Western Europe in, in general, you can uh, advance very easily, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also this, the, the work culture is one of the main reasons for brain drain in the Balkans. Um, mm-hmm. um, okay, Slovenia is not, and Slovenians, they don't consider themselves in the Balkans. As the yes, Balkans. yes, I know, I know. They I don't. must yeah. say I that for all my Slovenian friends. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to lump it together, but that's like Eastern Europe for us, right? Like we were still and, considered exactly. Eastern Europe, so it's like the Balkans. <laughs> I know. I don't want them to crucify me afterwards, so I just... <laughs> no, they can I crucify mean, me because... You know, <laughs> That's all right. True. <laughs> but um, this uh, work culture, because, okay, I will speak now purely for Serbia. Uh, although in Slovenia it's pretty much similar, is that possibilities of promotion, of being praised at work, of getting a raise are way lower. You are supposed to be quiet, do your job. If you complain, not really, it depends also what kind of complaint it is, but you also might face consequences. And uh, there's not really much simulation in terms of 
motivating your employees to learn, to take some classes, even investing in the classes for them. Which, for example, here I took some classes that my company paid, paid for it. Uh, I cannot imagine that, for example, in Serbia. In Slovenia, okay, mm-hmm. there might be situations also there. We must be very frank. It's, it's still far from what we see here mm-hmm. or maybe in Germany, as Petra said. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you have something like that and you're being valued at work and you know that there is some kind of legal system behind you protecting your right, yes. while in the Balkans it's on the paper, then you weigh your possibilities and I think the decision is pretty clear. Yeah. Would you give any kind of tips to, let's say, other expats who are thinking or they're already planning to move abroad um, and they're also in a similar situation? So they're single, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're foreigners and they're just looking what this experience is going to be about, even though everybody has to go through that experience on his or her own. Mm-hmm. But uh, what would be some of your final tips then? Um, Because you've been there, done that, and yeah, you can give some advice. Whoever wants to start, Petra. (laughs) I think my advice would be to um, first find a job, try to connect uh, with uh, people at work, and also try to find locals uh, as soon as possible, just to feel more comfortable in your new country. Um, maybe you know by volunteering or um, go and go and hike you know <laughs> uh, with others but uh, def- and learn the language if you don't yeah. know the language uh, you will be very you will have hard time and you won't feel very um, you know um, comfortable uh, with others, and I think then you would consider you w- you would consider leaving the country sooner before giving mm-hmm. it a chance to see what it's like to live in a certain country. So yeah, find a job, learn the language, uh, try to find locals either or by uh, joining the choir. I have uh, a friend, uh, a few friends. They are a couple. They live. Uh, they're living in uh, Sweden. And they are very well integrated into the Swedish society because they joined the local choir. And this is how they improve their uh, language, Swedish. And this is how they are involved in the community. Mm-hmm. So if you, yeah, if you're interested in music, join the choir, join, yeah, just find locals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. It's not going to be always that easy, but um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Never easy. I mean, it's easier to find uh, fellow experts because there are always expert, different expert groups uh, on Facebook. This is how I found most of my female fra- friends here on, on um, expert ladies cologne group and mm-hmm. expert cologne group. But yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a bigger challenge to find locals. So mm-hmm. I think it, it would be good to start from that. Great. What about you, Alexandra? (laughs) Yeah, I think Petra more or less said uh, everything. She gave really (laughs) nice tips. Uh, I would just add that if someone is hesitating and shall I do it or not, I would say just go for it. Mm. Like really just go for it. And it will be hard and there will be moments like I remember myself. I was often like, what the hell am I doing here? Like why this and why all this struggle? And but and you could have like this easy life, you know, somewhere else. Exactly. But, would but you really, it's right? not me. And also I think outcome then you learn a lot is unique experience. Even if you fail, you just fail. And then next time you were not going to fail for the same reason, but another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, as Petra said, just, yeah, mingle, try to, to go to different, to meet people in different groups. If you like music, go to choir. If you like to do sports, subscribe for sports club. And you just need to, I mean, no one will meet friends just by staying in their room. You just need to go out. And I know it's pandemic <laughs> and I know it's hard and I know it's easy to swipe and use app, but yeah. just for the God's sake, go, go, go out. And uh, yeah, it's then I, I, it's easier. Once you have your circle of friends, then you also help each other and, and you go through maybe some challenging periods together and uh, it's it's way easier it's always easier than alone well that's very nice anything to add before 
uh, we part ways and uh, I'll leave you to your evening then um, in your new homes. Well, I would just like to say it was so nice chatting with you, <laughs> remembering, <laughs> reminiscing about uh, Luxembourg times. Yes. Realize that time flies, actually. Um, time flies, yeah. I, I was not aware it was in 2015. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So many things back. happen in the meantime, actually. So. That is true. <laughs> Thank you very much. Petra, anything that you want to add? Yeah, also, I, I remember Luxembourg as a very nice place and very nice time in my life uh and it's amazing that i met you two and that we are still good friends uh, no matter regardless of the distance and yeah and also i wanted to say that um i uh, love singing so this is uh, also uh, my opportunity to <laughs> to sell yes. my <laughs> my youtube channel so, yes you have a new youtube channel yes, yes. what is it uh, called i'll put it down then to the to the intro and to the description of the episode called piotra because this is was this was my nickname during studies because oh, okay i'll put it down yeah so i mean um, i'm still in the, we are still in the lockdown so i started learning how to play ukulele because my coping mechanism and i decided to go with the channel with the youtube channel i mean a lot of friends persuaded me to go for it eva including yes <laughs> yes i started with Xlender, and everybody was like you know just keep going and uh yeah thank you i and i hope that we will meet soon uh and that yeah. We can play and sing together. Eva also plays violin, so <laughs> so I'm the only one not playing anything. Well, you can uh, sing. I need to That's practice good. Something at least singing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Fingers crossed. Good. Well, thank you very much, ladies, for joining me and um, the Axlander audience. And well, I wish you a really nice evening and uh, a nice week ahead. Thanks for joining me and thanks for sharing your amazing stories. Keep it real. <laughs> Slavic or whatever. Slavic or whatever. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.